Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, a former public school teacher, TV producer, host, and author discusses a new poll which suggests 40% of American parents are seriously considering homeschooling. My problem when we give this responsibility to the state is that we're victims of the point of view of the particular public school system in that time and place. And I would like to have more influence over my children and grandchildren. If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the Star Chamber. $20 a month is the Whistleblower Tier. And a donation of just $10 per month makes you a Truth Seeker. Star Chamber and Whistleblower members can participate in an exclusive monthly online chat or video conference with me. And all donors are entered into a monthly draw for Strange Planet merchandise. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. To become an official donor, Go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Friday. Sandra Lee is standing by to discuss a recent Real Clear Opinion Research poll of 2,122 registered voters, which found that a strong majority surveyed support school choice, and 40% are more likely to pursue homeschooling opportunities after COVID-19 restrictions end. Slightly more than 40% polled said they're more likely to homeschool or virtual school after lockdowns. Before the coronavirus shutdown, roughly 4% of K-12 students were in home education settings. The majority supporting these measures are young parents between the ages of 18 and 34, according to the poll. 
every single family with kids in school has been incredibly disrupted by the lockdown, says John Schilling, president of the American Federation of Children. With 55 million students no longer in their normal educational setting, families are clearly considering new options and many are seeing the benefits of homeschooling and virtual schooling, he said. Of those who said they would enroll their children in a home school, neighborhood home school co-op or virtual school, 53.8% were Asian parents and 50% were black parents. Sandra Lee has been writing all her life. During her junior year at Skidmore College, Ms. Lee won a Mademoiselle magazine fiction contest and then represented the college as a campus reporter for Mademoiselle. She wrote lyrics for dozens of songs, some of which were recorded on Columbia, RCA Victor, and Laurie Records. She received her BA in English from Skidmore College and her Master's in Visual and Performing Arts. She studied acting at the Actors Institute in New York City. She created, produced, and hosted over 400 television programs, which aired to an audience of over a million viewers. Sandra taught English, theater, public speaking, acting, film, and creative writing. Most recently in Ohio, she was the publisher and editor of the Women's Journal. She's the author of Dear Donald... Letters from a Loving Deplorable. Sandra Lee, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. Thank you. I've been homeschooling for four years. and uh, my Oh, God bless you. That is an accomplishment. It's certainly been a journey. It's been incredibly rewarding. And we came to the realization, my wife and I, that we both work from home, by and large, why are we sending our children to school for eight hours a day when they could be home with us? And what I'm thinking is that this quarantine, this may be one of the few silver linings, and that is that more and more parents are discovering what we discovered, that it's possible, it's difficult, but it is possible. So can you give me some details about this recent poll, 40% of parents in America now considering homeschooling? Well, that's kind of shocking, isn't it? So that's a big number. Here's the thing. Now, my son has two boys. One of them just turned 11, and the other one is 15. The 15-year-old dropped out of school a year ago. He doesn't want anything to do with the public school. He's been homeschooled. The younger one, since this pandemic, has been homeschooled now for a number of months. And my son and his wife don't want these children to go back to public school. They really don't. And I, I understand that a lot of other parents are having a similar experience for a lot of reasons. Here's the thing about homeschooling, and you've experienced it. It does give you a lot of flexibility in many ways, particularly if you can work at home and you can have your children at home and you're not wasting hours of time, their time during the day, doing useless things traveling back and forth, twiddling their thumbs, waiting for um, whole classes to convene. There's a lot of wasted time. It gives you an opportunity to have more time with your children, which is pretty wonderful. As long as you can work at home and that's possible. The cost of private schools is outrageous. The tax cost of public school, and of course now if you're going to homeschool and you're living in a neighborhood where you're paying taxes to the public school system, I'm really not sure how that's going to work for families. But it would seem unfair that you have to pay those school taxes when you're homeschooling your children. 
many people are getting programs from the public school to homeschool their children. And many parents don't want those programs. They've gone so far as to reject those programs. And they plug into other p programs that are um, separated from the public school system. So I see all of this happening. I see my, my son and his wife and those children suffering through these decisions. And I can, I can imagine what you went through while you slowly made your decisions about homeschooling. Because preparing those lessons or responding even to lessons that have been prepared and organizing your children and getting a schedule together and making that work around your work time. Good heavens, how on earth did you do all of that? One of the things that we came to the realization of was that the only reason children are in school for eight hours, and some of them because they have after-school care, because parents work late, some of those children are in school for eight, 10 hours a day because the school day is geared to the parents' nine to five work schedule. That's the only reason we're warehousing our children for eight to 10 hours a day. Wow, that's a strong word. Just wrote that down, warehousing our children. Really, I think that's a, that's a really strong description and it, 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 it made me sick to hear it really because what do we want to do with our children? Do we want to warehouse them? That's terrible. Well, that's just it and we thought, well, why would we want to do that if we can we have them for such a short time 18 years then they're off to college why wouldn't we want to spend every possible moment we can with them now with the the restructuring of the economic order perhaps i mean if, as we're heading into a post-pandemic world many of these jobs unfortunately are not coming back and many people will be working from home anyway so this is a wonderful opportunity now for for parents to to take back this responsibility that we've given over to the state, it is ultimately our responsibility to educate our children. I think also my problem when we give this responsibility to the state is that we're victims of the point of view of the particular public school system in that time and place. And I would like to have more influence over my children and grandchildren. You know, the schools have become, I taught for many, many years, and you know, the schools have become quite progressive and they lean more in one direction than in another. And the teachers, bless their hearts, many of them are very qualified, very wonderful people, but so often you're teaching and teaching things that you are told to teach. This is the system. This is the point of view. These are the texts. And so the children are almost politically engineered by the philosophies of that district. And those unions are so powerful, those teachers unions. I mean, you have no idea how powerful they are. They are hugely powerful. So that the government and the school teachers unions are entrenched. And so now we don't have a a free system. We have yet another political system raising our children. That, that's troubling, I think. And as I always sort of joke, I'm only half joking, I always say that if anyone's going to brainwash my children, it's going to be me. 
Oh, you are good. You've got me keep. I'm taking a note a minute. <laughs> if anybody's going to be brainwashing my children, it's going to be me. Oh, that's so good. But okay, here's the other side of the story, and maybe you can help me with this. Kids need the social aspects of school. Now, when I wrote that down, I thought, well, maybe as parents, we've been lazy and we haven't provided enough social interaction for our children or with our children. They do get a lot of social interaction in school. Most of it is positive. Some of it is not. What do you think on that stand? I'm not sure if it was a stand-up comedian or who it was I read recently. They said, think about it. For most people, for most people, unless you grow up in the tough inner cities, for most people, the only time they will ever experience violence is inside a school. So I, I can do without that kind of social uh, socialization, quite frankly. Well, that's an interesting statement because the counter argument to that is, of course, there is some fighting in school. Uh, I taught for over 30 years, and the only time I encountered a violent situation was one time in the classroom. So I think you know you can't you can't assume that school is a violent place. Certainly there are fights on the playground and so forth. But that's an interesting statement about violence. However, the social aspects of being with lots of other people, I don't know that the children are going to get that at home. That is often the argument that I've been faced with. What about socialization? My children have uh, loads of extracurricular activities. They, they play tennis in, uh, at, the, at the tennis club. Uh, they're involved in tournaments. They attend um, Greek school one night a week for four hours. They attend uh, Greek dancing classes. We get together with other parents. We take them to, uh, well, they're 13 now, so I, I hesitate to call them play dates anymore, but that's what we used to call them when they were children. We would drive them to their friend's house. So, you know, they get a lot of opportunity to socialize with, with other children. And, you know, the one of the interesting studies or statistics that come, that come up about homeschool children is they tend to be more civically minded than those children that are that are schooled in a public uh, institution and and that for me speaks volumes about their socialization the fact that they are more civically minded as adults i mean that's the whole one of the purposes of education right is to, is to turn our children into good citizens that's yeah. interesting that's not something that i had run across um, as one of the advantages of homeschooling you know the parents need to work and when I was teaching, they were pushed since, since women have gotten back into the workplace and they want to drop their children off at school because they've got to go to work, not just dad going to work anymore. And of course, the divorce rate for many, many years accelerated and children were in single parent environments and that parent was working and they had to drop these kids up. So whether it was an, an intact family or uh, a separated family, the parent would come to the school. I had lines of parents outside my schoolroom door, and they couldn't wait to drop off those kids with a sigh of relief. They were so overworked, overstressed, and so anxious to just dump the responsibility of thinking this thing through with their children that, that I was like their savior. Now, I loved the children, and I enjoyed having them. This was my career. But how sad 
because while they were, I'm using the word jumping, it's a little unkind, but there was an aspect to that. While they were doing that, I was doing the same thing with my little boy because I was working full time and I had to drop him off at a daycare or some kind of care facility when he was quite, quite young. And in some ways it was very damaging. Not every school experience or nursery school experience or um, daycare experience is positive. In some ways it was enormously damaging. On the other hand, not every parent is the kind of parent that you are. So I don't think there is any perfect situation. More of my conversation with Sandra Lee on homeschooling when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. The discovery of carbon-60 is likely to be the most amazing chemistry discovery of the late 20th century. And my friends at C60Evo.com are the world's number one manufacturer of C60. The safe, consumable form of pure C60 is called ESS60. And the mighty Aphrodite and I take a tablespoon every morning. ESS60 is the C60 formulation used in the famous 2012 original Paris study that showed ESS60 doubled the lifespan of rats. ESS60 from C60Evo.com is raw C60 that's been produced, certified, and guaranteed for safe human consumption. ESS60 from C60Evo.com is a powerful molecule that acts as a nano-antioxidant to attract, stabilize, and neutralize free radicals. It's also known to have 172 times the antioxidant power of vitamin C, 172 times, which may be why people are feeling healthier on C60. All I know is the mighty Aphrodite and I are sleeping great and we're both pain-free. To get your bottle of ESS60, go to the episode notes for this podcast and click on the c60evo.com link. Use the code RS1SPEC to get 5% off. RS1. S-P-E-C and get 5% off. It's time to start taking responsibility for your health. Time to support your immune system. Join the mighty Aphrodite and I. If you want more energy, mental clarity, and a great night's sleep, ESS60 from C60Evo.com. Again, go to the episode notes and click on the C60Evo.com link and use the promo code RS1SPEC to get 5% off. In another reality, Richard is a very strong and handsome man. Just not in our reality. Although I heard somebody passing him in the hall the other day, and it was, what, what a handsome man Richard is. I made that up. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Sandra Lee is here, and we're discussing a recent Real Clear Opinion Research poll which found 40% of U.S. parents said they're seriously considering homeschooling their children after the lockdown ends. At the end of the day, we will still need public schools. But for those parents who feel that they're right uh, for the job, that they can do it and want to take on that responsibility, uh, now they have experienced a taste of that during this this uh, shelter-in-place situation, this quarantine. And so they will take that opportunity. When you made this decision to homeschool the children, are they twins? Are they the same age? They are. Twin boys. Oh, 
Yeah, that helps because when you have my son and his wife have two boys, but one's in high school and one's in junior high school. So they have two completely different curriculum demands. So, you know, you can double your trouble with that ambitious pursuit of homeschooling. And I see them, on the one hand, so angry with the public school and the system and frustrated, and on the other hand, so happy with their own participation in schooling the children, and then on the other hand, so frustrated and exhausted from trying to do it, homeschooling is not easy. So on the one hand, they want to continue, and then when things get tough, I see them huffing and puffing and thinking, oh, goodness, maybe, maybe this is too much for us. Maybe we can't continue to do this. How did you sustain it? Were there times when you felt like, I can't do this anymore? Or did you make a firm commitment and it was just okay from day one? There were many days in the first year, maybe even the first two years, that I thought, I am failing miserably. They're not, (laughs) but we had some wonderful support in the uh, Christian community where they homeschool. There's a homeschooling Christian association. I'm sure there are other communities. In your community, you need to reach out and find those resources. Other parents, in our case, we we leaned heavily on a couple of families that had homeschooled, in, in some cases, six or eight of their own children large families and they homeschooled them from kindergarten all the way through high school and um oh god can you imagine i i can't but one of the most important lessons i learned was that you can't look at it as homeschooling it's learning in the home so I, i i came from a very regimented background my father was in the army and so everything had to be done you know in a certain way and it was difficult for me to let go of that regimented attitude. First of all, the idea is that they don't have to be instructed from nine until four o'clock. If you do two or three hours a day and they can get the work done quickly and efficiently and then have time to learn to make their own lunch, that's a lesson. You can incorporate so many things from your regular day into their education. You go to the bank to make a, a, a deposit. You take your children with you and then that becomes a new experience. How do, you know, how do you open up a bank account? How do you, so every ordinary situation can become a lesson for your children. It's, it's a far more organic approach to learning. The other thing was I sort of allowed them to direct where they wanted to, to go, which I guess is a bit of a Montessori approach, but my children love baseball, as do I. Uh, So for a history lesson, we decided, okay, we're going to watch a a documentary on YouTube uh, about the great Sandy Koufax, who pitched with the Dodgers back in the 50s and 60s, a tremendous character with great courage. He decided he was not going to pitch in the World Series in 1965 because it happened to fall on Yom Kippur. Here's a a Jewish athlete standing up to to Major League Baseball and saying, I'm not going to pitch because it's Yom Kippur. It's an important religious holiday. So, you know, that was an important value for my children to learn. So that became the history lesson. We watched a documentary about baseball. As I said, you know, they have to make their own lunch every day. So they get instructions in the kitchen on how to cook and how to prepare. Everything can become a lesson. It doesn't have to be all regimented, sitting at a desk from nine until four. So I guess the, the lesson here is just kind of let go. Don't, to use a sports analogy, don't hold on to the golf club too tight. You know, just kind of relax and enjoy. 
and everything in life is a, a lesson and a learning experience. And do you feel that you can ready the children for proper testing or proper degrees? Or how do you handle that? Do they graduate with some kind of a diploma? Or do they feel prepared to enter a university if they so choose? What about all those loose ends? The other thing is there are so many great resources online. So now we're at a point, because they're in grade eight in our fourth year, I've registered them for some online courses and they're, and they're not like correspondence courses. These are live interactive courses. There is something in the United States called Classical Learning Resources Online. And uh, it's a classical type education. They learn the classics the way that the American forefathers learned, most of whom were homeschooled. So they can participate in an an E-class, if you will. They have an instructor. They can see him. The the teacher can hear the students. They can hear each other. And so that's taken a lot of the the burden off. But they are getting a top-notch classical education. They take uh, English literature and history. Right now they're doing ancient uh, history. They're learning about Julius Caesar. The only thing that I wasn't prepared to teach was uh, science. That's very difficult to do online. So a bunch of parents got together. We hired a science teacher. We rented out a church basement and uh, they took biology one year and they're taking physics. So the resources, I would encourage parents, you know, not to despair, not to be intimidated. There are so many wonderful resources available online, taught by professionals. I sort of fill in the gaps. I teach the math. I have a a math study uh, book that I use. But I'm, do they get what degrees do they get? Do they get a high school diploma? Do they are they able to think about entering a university, or do you not want that to happen for them? I would love for them if they so desire to go to to college or university. And in fact, universities now many of them have sort of a special uh, registration uh, for homeschool students. In fact, even Ivy League schools, they welcome homeschool children because in, in many cases, they outperform their public school peers in many of the core competencies. So here in Ontario, there's a, an Ontario secondary school graduation diploma, but that's not even required now to apply to most universities. If you're applying to a university outside of Ontario, they don't really care. You're in Canada? Yes. Well, you have a different spirit, don't you? Surprisingly, because Ontario is in Canada is is a fairly liberal, progressive, and in some ways even socialist culture, uh, when it comes to homeschooling, they are very laissez-faire. I don't even have to follow the provincial curriculum. In some provinces, you do. In Quebec, for example, you must follow the Quebec curriculum to the letter. In Alberta, I believe it's the same thing. Now, in certain, I'm not sure in the United States, in certain states, I don't even know if you're allowed to homeschool, period. I know in Germany, there were there were parents thrown in jail for trying to homeschool their children. But here in- Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. I must say that the children, my children, um, they're struggling with the transition. My, They're visiting right now from New York. New York is a different, difficult place for anyone to be right now. Mm. And I grew up in Ohio. I lived many years in New York. So they're visiting me at my home. They're being homeschooled here. And I'm getting to observe that the teenager is sleeping too late. The little one is bucking mom with his lessons. 
But the little one, I'm amazed at how much comfort, comfort they have when they get online. There's a computer in every room. There's a TV screen in every room. And they, they're just so confident with their devices, you know. Yes. They get on. They have other kids in the class. They follow the lesson. Right now, the little one's following the public school lesson because it's shut down because of the coronavirus. And the older one is doing the kinds of things that you're describing with different but very interesting groups around Long Island, groups of people who just said no to the public school system. They're quite sophisticated. They're quite charming. They're quite devoted to their families and their children. They're a lovely, lovely group of people, many of them extremely um, successful professionally. So, you know, it's not just a bunch of farmers who are too lazy to get their kids to a public school. These are very sophisticated people who are making this choice for their children. It's an interesting study for me as I observe it, having been, uh, among many things, a school teacher a good part of my life. And I don't, I don't push them to get back to the public school system. There's a part of me that knows only too well that there's a lot of wasted time in that day. Oh, yes, yes. And for those who have teenage boys, and my children are now 13, and they do sleep late, and again, I used to be very regimented, and I thought, geez, they ought to be down at their desk at 9 o'clock. I let that go. Children, especially teenagers, they need their sleep. That's when they grow. That's when their brains grow. So, I, you know, if they roll That's what my son is telling me. I said, well, honey, it's almost noon. Teenagers, you know, teenagers are really growing at this time, and... So I can see that he's been getting this input from other parents who have been homeschooling. They've all been through what you're describing about the young person is still in bed and it's not eight or nine o'clock. You know, to get on these school buses, they've got to be up at six o'clock in the morning. Yes, yes. They're on a school bus, many of them, for 35, 40 minutes going and 35, 40 minutes coming back. It's true. It has totally upended of family life and you know when my children were in school they were bringing home projects and you know at a certain age their projects end up being mom and dad's projects and we're the you ones that <laughs> are so right about that we stay up until so midnight we, out, <laughs> we had these we had these um, outdoor events where the whole sixth grade you know i taught all kinds of grades a number of years i taught sixth grade and we'd have the, International Day, you know, and each child would come up with a booth. Usually it would have had something to do with the country that they were interested in or part of their heritage. The Italian child would have an Italian booth and the Greek child would have a Greek booth. Well, you know who made the booth, who brought the stuff, who did the food. It was all done by the parents. The child would stand there in a costume <laughs> and, and the, the kids didn't do any of it. And this was true of so many different projects. Yes, so yes. So I think, I think if you're going to participate with the children in learning, that's a good thing. But when you take over because you're trying to impress other people in the class, that's kind of counterproductive. The child isn't doing it. The parent is doing it. And also, the children were bringing home so much homework. They were stressed out. They were in grade three and four, for crying out loud. And they were doing homework all weekend. And it really caused a lot of stress and interfered with quality family enjoyment. And so that also fueled our decision to homeschool. 
But the thing is, again, they don't have to be in school for eight hours. If they can get their work done in three hours, then they're done. And then they have oodles of time for extracurricular activity, to socialize with other kids, uh, to get out, to play tennis, to play basketball or baseball or whatever they want to do. Less pressure on the family. And um, I just, again, I, I think it's it's wonderful for those parents who feel that it's manageable, that they can do it, that they're working from home now anyway. And, you know, you never get that time back. Every hour and day extra that you get to spend with your children growing up, you can't replace that. And children are so... And you don't yeah. realize that until it's too late. Like yeah. My grandchildren are here now and my son and and um, my significant other is like ready to jump off a bridge because the bedlam, the noise, the running up and down the stairs, the confusion is quite overwhelming. And I can only tell you that these are my children. This is my blood. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> Every moment that I'm spending with him, if, if Trey's falling off the bike or Lucas is banging on the piano, it's 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> I am just drinking it up like it's fine wine. It is such a joy to be near them because I'm starved for being near them. And you don't realize that in life until it's too late. I keep telling my son when I can see he's getting very frustrated. I go, Dennis, you don't realize it until it's too late that while you're raising your children, you're busy trying to make a living and trying to get a relationship and trying to decorate the house and trying to be somebody. And the whole thing goes by so fast. And then the children are off to college and you're thinking, I'm agonizing from the ache of missing my children. I wanted to bond more with my son and I didn't. I wanted to bond more with my grandchildren and it was too late. They were living in New York and I was in Ohio. You know, your kids move away. Like you said, you only have a limited amount of time. You want to make that count. And I think that's wonderful that you're doing that. I give you so much credit. So uh, for those parents that can do it, embrace it, enjoy the chaos, as you say, while it lasts, because then everything gets too quiet. Um, in the meantime, Sandra, how do people get a hold of Dear Donald, Letters from a Loving Deplorable? Yes, I forgot to tell you about the book. We got so busy with our homeschooling. But the book, Dear Donald, Letters from a Loving Deplorable, such a personal book. I started writing letters just because I was enjoying talking about what was going on politically. And um, I didn't send them to Donald Trump, but I'd send them to my friends and so forth. And they started to be so plentiful that I realized I had a book. And I had this book that was kind of writing itself, if you will. It just was blowing out of me. These letters, I said, well, how are you going to make a book out of all these letters? The, the book told me how to do it. I didn't tell it how to do it. It wrote itself. Because, you know, I realized after a while that letters, ever since the church began, were a powerful tool in God's hands. God entrusted apostles to spread the gospel through letters, mm -hmm. Paul and John, Luke. So, you know, I said, well, it's okay. Just keep writing the letters and see where they go. And by the time I... I kept writing and writing and writing. I had a beautiful book that wrote itself. And now I'm just about ready to publish book two. First book was Dear Donald, Letters from a Loving Deplorable, because I 
kind of fond of Donald Trump, even though he's a very eccentric figure. And the next one is, Dear Donald, Four More Years. He isn't what I would have expected him to be. Uh, he was the New York playboy, and I certainly knew New York well. But he's kind of changed into somebody who's thrown his arms up in the air and said, this is the worst corrupt system, and we've got to pull it apart and clean it up and start over again. So I'm rooting for him. I, I hope he's the real deal. I'm watching what he's doing closely, and I do write these letters from a very loving perspective toward him, toward his administration, and toward all different cultures and political systems. I'm not an angry person. I'm not a, quote, political, unquote, person. I'm an interested person. And I do feel that we need to build more bridges of kindness and compassion and listening and open-mindedness because there is no perfect. We need to work together and keep improving our systems in every direction. And I'm sure you've learned that with education. You know, every system is imperfect and we, we constantly have to improve. So the Democrats aren't perfect, the, the Republicans aren't perfect, the independents aren't perfect, socialism isn't perfect, communism isn't perfect. There are some positive aspects of all kinds of different government systems and negative aspects of all of them as well. But I think we need to keep talking to one another and getting the best ideas that we can from one another and grow and be positive and that's basically what the book is about it's on amazon of course as all books are and on barnes and noble sandra a delight meeting you and again dear donald letters from a loving deplorable available at amazon great meeting you and thank you for spending some time oh my pleasure have a good one Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a flash with a few words about an upcoming episode. If you enjoy Conspiracy Unlimited, why not become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member? For just $1.99 per month, you'll gain access to two bonus, exclusive commercial-free episodes per month, plus access to my back catalog of episodes. That's over 350 episodes. To subscribe, just go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Again, go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Get access to premium episodes or click on the link in the episode notes. Conspiracy Unlimited Plus for less than $2 per month. Why not sign up today? Coming up next time on Conspiracy Unlimited, a man who was sent to federal prison in the wake of the subprime mortgage crisis blows the whistle on crooked prosecutors who shifted the blame for the mortgage crisis away from Wall Street, tampered with evidence, and sent innocent people to prison. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now.
Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.